Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Brian Kelly, and Kate Battis, CEO Grace Capital, will join us in just moments. We start off with big breaking news on the banks. Just moments ago, the Fed giving the okay for buybacks, and we are already starting to get banks announcing their plans. Let's get straight to Leslie Picker with all the details. Leslie. Hey, Melissa. In an unprecedented second stress test this year, the Fed said it will allow banks to resume buying back stock with limitations after they were prevented from doing so earlier this year. J.P. Morgan has already said its board has authorized a $30 billion buyback program to begin in the first quarter of next year, and that stock popping on the news. Share repurchases made up about 70 percent of the industry's capital payout to shareholders pre-COVID, but the largest U.S. banks voluntarily suspended buybacks in March as the pandemic-induced shutdowns that roiled the economy and the financial markets. The Fed then said in June that all banks subjected to its stress tests were required to halt their buyback programs and cap their dividend payouts. Now, today, the Fed said that banks could restart share repurchases, expanding similar limitations already in place with dividends. These amounts are based on a formula that's essentially tied to the last year of the bank's income. Now, these rules will be in place through the first quarter of 2021. The Fed notes they may be extended after that. Under the stress test, all 33 banks maintained enough of a cushion for their minimum risk-based capital requirements levels that will not reset at this time, according to the Fed. Mel. Leslie, thank you. Leslie Picker with the latest on the stress test here in the after-hour session. It's not just J.P. Morgan with that massive $30 billion share repurchase uh, plan announcement, but also the KRE, the uh, regional bank ETF, that's popping 3%. The XLF, the broader financials ETF on the S&P 500, that's up by more than 3%. Karen Feinerman, this is probably largely expected for a bank like the J.P. Morgan, and yet we are seeing that big pronounced move in the after-hours. I actually wasn't really expecting it right now, to mm. be honest. So it's nice um, that, you know, maybe I just missed it. I should have known to expect it. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that it didn't come a little bit later. So um, $30 billion, that's huge. That's, uh, I don't know, 8-plus percent of the market cap of J.P. Morgan. Um, I, you know, I'm a little bit surprised that they did this now because I don't think we have fully past the, I mean, we passed the worst of COVID. I certainly hope we have, but I think there's still more damage to come. I think we, you know, haven't seen the end of forbearance and what that will look like. And so, I, I don't know, it feels uh, just maybe a tad premature. What would be the downside if they kind of just hung on to excess capital and built mm -hmm. it up? I understand it's not great for your ROE and whatnot, but um, so I'm a little bit surprised. I'm happy. I, I, it, it wasn't, it was just earlier than I thought. I'm happy to be, you know, fairly exposed to the bank stocks. Good for them. I'm also a little bit surprised that they're allowing buybacks over dividend. They are still allowed to pay dividends, but over an increase of the dividend, uh, because maintaining the dividend for bank shareholders or even increasing it is a really important thing. Mm -hmm. I think even more important than buybacks. But doesn't matter if it was surprising to me. Yeah. It's still very good news. 
Taken at face value, though, uh, this is surely a vote of confidence in how well capitalized the banks are and how big those cushions are, Tim Seymour. I mean, the Fed is going to, you know, subject these banks to very rigorous tests. They've got enough capital. That's it seems like a big green light for investors who also believe, by the way, that this is a big reopening play. I think it's 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 not only a big green light. It it's kind of bizarre on the same week where the Fed gave you a very dour outlook for 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 the dynamics of the economy, isn't it? It it, it just they, they don't make sense. They don't fit on the same page. And, and the Fed is 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 the, the godfather for, for these banks here. Look, no change in capital requirements. I think this is very important. I think banks which were outperforming as the yield curve steepened. We were getting some sense on the reopening trade, and banks were certainly uh, starting to reaccelerate. Uh, I, I think this means banks have a lot more room to go. And I, and I think the banks and the money center banks, at least, I would focus on Citi and Bank of America, mm-hmm. but I focus first on Citi. I, I think they're going to be the ones that have the outside moves. Now, banks like J.P. Morgan, as they were having record earnings, they were also putting aside an enormous amount on, on loan provisions. And I think the reserve roll-offs are, are powerful. And, and again, this is part of where uh, I think the buybacks will, will be also powerful. Forget, they, they had record capital markets uh, and, and, and underwriting and, and FIC trading. And I, I just look at someone that's long banks like Karen, I uh-huh. think this is very important news for the direction of these stocks. Sure. And w- the messages are mixed to me. A big 2021 event could also be the release of those excess reserves back into the system. And, and, you know, that certainly would be a good thing for bank investors. We should note the headline that just crossed the bottom of your screen. Goldman Sachs also announcing that it will resume share buybacks next year. It did not specify the amount. But again, Goldman Sachs to resume its share buyback program next year. We're seeing that stock move higher by about 5 percent. We should worth we should note also that Wells Fargo also falls into the category of the 33 banks that were approved. Uh, to resume buybacks. Uh, remember that it, it had been sort of put in the penalty box, but it does fall into this category where profitability has been in existence for four quarters, so it's able to do this. Brian Kelly, in terms of the banks, what, what do you make of this? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously it surprised the market, but I think in the big picture, it's probably not that surprising because the pandemic threw the biggest real-time stress test at the bank, bigger than any government regulator could have imagined, and they survived. So I think in that sense, it's very positive for the U.S. financial system, obviously very positive for banks. But if you're at home now and you're saying, okay, what's next for the banks? It's exactly what you just mentioned. It's the roll off of the reserves. And there's going to be this interplay between whether or not we get a stimulus package that would mitigate some of the potential losses these banks may have. If we don't get a stimulus package, then maybe those lost reserves aren't big enough. So that's really where the next crux of the bank trade comes from me. Uh, And and I think in general, this is just a positive move. And as long as you don't get an economy that goes much, much deeper into weakness, then the bank should be fine. Karen, your your bank position is fairly large. So are you hedging that position? I mean, I'm just trying to understand how you, if you are worried that we haven't seen the worst of the credit losses because we just haven't seen the worst of the pandemic or the impact on the economy, then how do you protect that bank trade? So I think that the banks being at such a discount to the market and such a dis- they haven't recovered anywhere nearly as much as so many other industries, I think that that was already reflected in the prices that they were trading. This is sort of a procedural issue about when would they be able to do buybacks? I just think it would have been more conservative for the Fed to say, you have to wait. So I know if Sheila Bear were here tonight, she'd be 
not happy. Not yeah. happy with this. Yes. <laughs> Why not wait? Why not wait till they actually reserve, reverse reserves, right? Till they let those reserves out. So that part, I just, I don't, I don't really get. Uh, I, as Brian said, I don't think it changes the story materially. I do. I'd be curious, did a lot of people expect this already? If they did, why, is the stock, why are the stocks up so much? Yeah, That's it, you know, four or five bucks is a big move for J.P. Morgan. Uh, yeah. Tim? I, I don't think the market expected this at all, and, and, and I'm surprised to hear it. I, 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 I agree with Karen. I mean, why do you have to do this now? And, and, and again, I, I just, you know, I heard a Fed this week that was pointing out the risks to the economy, right? And Steve Leisman came on our show last night to point out uh, some of the dynamics there. I, it, look, as, as banks have, have at, at times in the May, June uh, rallies and rotation, we said there's something not right. Banks are either telling the story of Main Street, they're not telling the story of Wall Street. We don't really understand this divergence is, is, is ominous in many cases. But, but I, I, I think really what it's telling you is that banks um, have some ways to rally. They have other businesses. I mean, as we are t highlighting that, that, you know, the disconnect between Wall Street and Main Street, banks thriving yes. businesses have been those of Wall Street businesses, the trade, as you highlighted, Tim, the trading businesses. And that's where they really made the deal making business. That's where they really made their money this year, Brian Kelly. So doesn't it make sense that maybe the banks are in a position now, if they've already got the capital reserves stored up, to, to resume the share buybacks? And maybe that's why dividend no, increases I, I mean, are not they, part of it, because dividend increases are permanent. Share buybacks can be started and stopped. Yeah, I think that's, that's a fair point, and I think it really just does go to the health of the banks. You know, my view on the roll-off reserves is there is, there is probably a, if I'm looking at where the odds are, there's probably much more high, there's probably higher odds that they, banks have over-reserved. And the market will also look through that, right? Even if it looks like it's trending in one direction, I think the market will look through and look to Q3, Q3 and Q4 of 2021 and say, all right, we're going to have this blip sometime in Q1 2021. But then once we get everybody inoculated, the reopening trade, you won't have to worry about that. And the reserves will roll off. And that'll be another catalyst for the banks. And just by the way, you won't have to worry necessarily about a yield curve steepening much more. The banks can still make money. They can buy back shares and releasing those reserves would be good for their equity. All right, let's move on to the other big story we're tracking for you on a Friday. Tesla driving straight into the S&P 500, the electric car company making a big U-turn in the after hours as it gets added to the index here we are down by uh three percent this of course after tesla hit yet another record high during the regular session karen we've all been watching this very closely what's uh, what's your proclivity at this point when it comes to the stock earlier you said you would look to short it on yes uh thank you for bringing up a very painful trade <laughs> so i put in an order to short market on close and then when i saw the stock trading down at maybe 3 40 p.m trading down, right, 10 bucks or I don't remember, 12. I thought, wow, this is not quite what I was expecting, how this was going to play out. So I canceled my short, and it ended up the market on close price was, what, 6.95, I think? So mm -hmm. that was very distressing that I did nothing. I would have covered right away. Uh, I was trading in the after hours or Monday morning. So uh, I have no Tesla position, and yet I feel worse than I did yesterday, having no Tesla position. I don't know. <laughs> Let's bring in uh, Grace Battis. Um, 
of Grace Capital. She joins us now. We had some technical issues which we've ironed out. So Grace, we're, we're happy to have you here join the panel. Um, in terms of Tesla, I think you're, I mean, amongst the broader trader panel here, um, you're actually bullish longer term. I am bullish on Tesla. I think Tesla is being priced. It's expensive, okay? Everything is expensive. New York real estate is expensive. I think Tesla is being priced like a monopoly, and it reminds me of Amazon. Okay, you could have bought Amazon, and you watched it go up and up and up, and nobody understood. Tesla has a market cap that's larger than all the other auto companies combined. I think it's got a lot of optionality here. And the secret to Tesla, so long as they can keep borrowing money for cheap, convertible stock, convertible debt, the stock is going to work and the strategy is going to work. And they've done that several times this year in terms of shoring up their liquidity position with various secondary offerings, et cetera, in, in the marketplace. Brian Kelly, at one point, was Tesla ever one of those stocks that you put in a drawer and you leave? In fact, what a phenomenal memory you have, Melissa. In fact, it was one of those. And, and it, it's my view on this. And the reason why you put it in the top drawer of you, you buy the stock, you put the certificates in the top drawer, or at least the top drawer of your digital, uh, uh, your digital uh, side table. Nonetheless, the point being, I think Tesla is more than a car company. I think the, the, the investors in it are thinking of it as more than a car company. I think this is a play on the decarbonization of the electric grid. The Tesla automobile and their automotive department is just kind of the proof of concept. So if you think of this much more of a, as a venture capital deal, where all these capital raises are similar, you know, are like a series A, B, and C, then you can see how there is much more upside to Tesla. And I think that's what the investors in Tesla are looking at. All right, let's bring in Fast Money friend Gene Munster of Loop Ventures, who I know is watching um, the rebalance at the close very, very closely. I think with popcorn in hand is what you tweeted, Gene. So what would you make of the action here? What should we expect on Monday morning? Well, I made the action. You know, it's funny. I turned off. I tuned off a minute before the close here. I had to <laughs> apologize uh, that I uh, was remiss at leaving the party just before the fun started. But I expect it probably moderates a little bit on Monday. But what's more important is ultimately where this company is going. And if I can frame in, I think uh, the panel's done a great job of really uh, highlighting the importance of the story here, which first, there is no valuation support to Tesla regarding their current business, the current revenue, $45 billion a year. But when you think about the optionality value, and I'm going to make it as simple as possible, there are seven different verticals that they're going to be going after. Most people think of this as an EV car company, but there's uh, autonomous taxis, robo-taxis, you have uh, HVAC insurance, even down to uh, electric jets. I mean, all of this is on the roadmap. So I think Brian's uh, venture analogy is most appropriate. And I think that uh, regardless of what the action is on Monday, I think that this company can be a much bigger company in mm -hmm. the years to come. And one thing I just want to, uh, there's one thing to uh, look at the headlines and listen to what Tesla is doing and get enamored about where the stock can go. I think there's another discipline, which is actually just measuring what's going on in the marketplace. We recently looked at the software that's available and coming available in the next year from the automotive companies across the board, and Tesla stands above. It's not even close. I won't get into the details of it, but this company has a multi-year advantage in a market that will be turned upside down over the next decade. 
Gene, you know, everybody's looking at this uh, event as a, as a forced buying event because managers will have to buy about $85 billion worth of Tesla stocks who are benchmarked to the, uh, to the index. And yet this is also a forced selling event. And, and not many people are talking about that in terms of what do fund managers sell in order to make room for Tesla. What's your view? You cover some of the, the high-flying sort of consumer discre- discretionary techie type of stocks that might fall into that category. Yeah, there is going to be a fraction of FANG. It's very clear what's going to happen in the next few years and what has worked in the past won't work in the future. Companies like Apple are really well positioned in the digital transformation. I think you're going to see money inflows to this. I think this is a $200 stock in the next year plus. But then on the flip side, you look at companies like Facebook and uh, companies like Netflix. I think that those are sources of capital for these funds. Uh, I think just other traditional businesses are sources of capital, but I think that's going to be a strong theme of this fraction of FANG. The simple uh, approach of owning FANG isn't going to work for outperformance. There's certainly great companies, but I think uh, Tesla is one. You just need to own it and don't think about it. I like the idea Brian's put it in the drawer and forget about it. Uh, but I think companies like Apple are really going to be a big beneficiary, and, and Facebook's got a ton of headwind coming at it in the next couple of years. Gene, great to speak with you. Thank you. Gene Munster, Loop Thank Ventures. You. This change is also going to have a significant impact on the S&P 500 more broadly. Tesla is now the sixth largest company in that index, and because of Tesla, the S&P's earnings will fall 1.3% next year. Its P.E. ratio will rise to 22.6 times from 22.3 times. Um, Tim, what do you think? Do you think that investors should be, uh, will feel this, this change? The volatility of the S&P 500 would theoretically go up, too, because Tesla's volatility is, is greater. True. Um, and, and, but it, it's also a $660 billion company. And, and conceivably, um, there's, there's more of a buffer built into that. But I, I, I think the valuation on the S&P is, is troubling. But, it, you know, you add in a 1,200 uh, trailing P.E. stock here. I, you know, I, I would just add to, you know, to the whole story around Tesla, um, which, you know, people it well chronicled that I, I, I haven't been a believer here. Um, but two events have added basically almost $400 billion of market cap, seemingly. A stock split announced on August 10th or 11th uh, took the stock up 83% to a blow-off top at the end uh, of, of August. And then the S&P uh, inclusion announcement, I think from November 16th through, through the current, is another 69%. That's a 150% move in the stock based upon two technical events um, for a stock that you know, has been about technicals as well. So uh, I think you have to remember that here. And, and I don't care what anybody says. Those are very big factors, I think, that will weigh on the stock. All right. It's down by about 3% after hours. Coming up, shares of Nike also on the move after reporting earnings. The company's conference call is underway right now. We'll bring you all the details straight ahead. Much more fast. Stay tuned. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. 
Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a rare event for Friday night, an earnings alert. Nike shares popping after hours. A strong online sales helped the company top revenue estimates. The company's conference call is now underway. So let's get the trade on this one. They also pointed out that Greater China really helped the second quarter. We saw sales there up by 24%. Kate, what do you make of Nike? I think uh, Nike, I looked at, took, took a quick peek at the quarterly results. They're doing everything they're saying that they're, they're going to do. Okay, so they had a good quarter. Uh, 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 revenue was up seven or nine percent. Um, the, the story really continues to be about digital. Okay, digital revenues were up 80, 60, 80, 90 percent. Um, mm-hmm. Just a tremendous, uh, a tremendous number. I think the company does still have some challenges. The China story is very important for uh, Nike. Um, there's a lot of negative sentiments about China, um, how they thread that needle. Remember, uh, Nike is still 70% non-U.S., but they had a good quarter. They had a, um, you know, it's a great company, great management team, um, had, had a tough year, okay? They were having a great year, and then COVID happened, uh, had to close down stores. Things were very tough. Stock's still up 40%, go figure. Yeah, and it's actually gained 20% in just the past three months. I mean, people are getting more and more bullish as it's all that. Even with the majority of stores closed, it could still grow sales, Tim. And I think that's sort of what when investors are so psyched about. It reminds me of Best Buy almost. The same phenomenon going on with Best Buy in terms of, in terms of getting the same sales or greater sales with a footprint that's largely off limits to consumers. Yeah, and direct sales were up 32%. I, I would go back to China. Mainland China up 25% is well in excess of what anybody expected. They were up 8% last quarter after being negative. And we know you know, China is seen as, as a preview to what you're going to see in the U.S. So uh, Donahoe's digital expertise is shining here. Um, not a cheap stock, but a stock I stay long. I, you know, it's been a great year for Nike. Uh, I think, uh, you know, like so many, uh, they come out of this better based upon trends that were in place. All right, coming up on Options Action, which is the last one of the year. We're counting down to Christmas with some stocking stuffers you might want to add to your portfolio. But first, we've got your final trade. Stay tuned. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at Chevron.com slash meeting demand. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Time for the final trades. Go around the horn, Tim Seymour. Let's continue with Nike. And again, the app engagement up 80% year over year through November. I think this story continues to be very robust, even at a high valuation. Kate Battis. Intel's lower on Microsoft News. I'm buying Texas Instruments. Karen Feinerman. Yeah, so I bought some Morgan Stanley last week. And with today's bank news, I'm actually going to sell some of my Wells Fargo on Monday. Hmm. Brian Kelly. 
Well, money is changing and PayPal is rapidly becoming the gateway to that change. So I buy some PayPal here. All right. Well, that does it for us here on Fast Money. Do not move. A huge options action show to close out the year. Coming up, we'll be tackling the trouble brewing in transports, a last-minute stocking stuffer, and a trade on the S&P's latest edition. Options action starts in two minutes. Have a great weekend. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.